This episode and every episode of the Beer Guys Radio Show is brought to you by Ironmonger Brewing. Visit Ironmonger at their tap room in Marietta, Georgia, or online at ironmongerbrewing.com. Open up a tab, grab a seat, and pour a pint. It's time for the Beer Guys Radio Show. You want free beer? Go to the brewery. Dedicated to the art, science, and enjoyment of craft beer. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? Now, here are your hosts, Tim Dennis and Brian Hewitt. Welcome to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We're broadcasting from the Beer Guys Radio Studios. And this week, we're going to learn how not to start a damn brewery, Brian. I am Tim Dennis, and with me as always is my good friend and co-host, Mr. Brian Hewitt. Hey, Tim. So joining us today, we have Kelly Meyer, the owner, host, and author of How Not to Start a Damn Brewery. We're going to talk about lessons learned the hard way from running a brewery and things you shouldn't do if you're thinking about starting one. And maybe we'll even talk you out of starting and save you a lot of grief. We're going against everything we've been working years to promote. (laughs) Exactly. We're tearing the industry down this week. We are. Kelly, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, guys. Absolutely. Absolutely, Kelly. No, I think it's interesting. You know, there's uh, I think we have a friend who may be jealous he's not part of this conversation. Oh, yeah? So that does still currently own a brewery. Mm. No? You don't know who I'm talking about? No, I'm not. Scott Hadeen, oh, Hickory Brewery. He's, you know what? He he probably should have been yeah, part of this show. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, Kelly, we're really looking forward to talk to you. I think it's good to be realistic and look at both sides of things in the industry. You know, we we love craft beer and we've worked many years to promote it, promote starting a brewery, sharing tips on that and just really promoting craft beer. But we're going to find out if it's running a little too fast. See what you got to say. I'm very eager to talk to you. Well, and I'm I'm happy to be disagreed with, so uh, I'll I'll tell you what I know, and if if, if you have some right. new information, I'm happy to hear it. Sounds good, man. Too fast, Sounds too good. furious. The brewery edition. The brewery edition. Yes. Kelly, what are you drinking today, sir? I started with Live Oak Pilsner, which is one of my oh, favorite go tos. Yeah, I think their Hefeweizen gets a lot of hype. I think you hear a lot a lot about that one as far as hefs go. Brian, what are you sipping on? I am sipping on a Brainless on Peaches, which is semi biographical here. From 2014 from Epic Brewing, and I'm enjoying the heck out of this. And I really, I hoard a lot of bottles and regret storing them for as long as I did. I wish I had bought more and had more of these. Breaking some of the stuff out there, right? Yeah, 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 but it's it's fun. Yeah, good stuff. Well, y'all, as we get going today, we want to share some big news with you. If you watch any of the news stations in Atlanta, national news, TMZ, Brian, this made TMZ. Our good friend, who if you, if you have listened to the show, you've heard him on here before, uh, Fiskel of Nappy Roots and also Atlantucky Brewing. He was assaulted, robbed, kidnapped, tried to drive him to his own house, and then shot him when he tried to get away. And so, he succeeded in getting away. He did so, get away. Yeah. He did get away. He got shot in the leg in the process. But we want to report that he's, he's doing well. He's yes, on he the road is. to recovery. We got down to visit him last weekend. And uh, he was up and about a little bit, said his leg was numb but wasn't hurting him. I imagine that will change. Yeah. I'm guessing it's that's hurt. A, a day-to-day type of thing with, with yeah. the, uh, fortunately, I think it cleared, went straight through. So he bandages on both sides. You got a cavity there. So there's going to be yeah. a little discomfort and uh, perhaps right. some bone injury as well. So Kelly, I, I gotta, I hope we don't curse you. Cause I do have to share that. Um, the Atlantucky guys, fish scales and skinny DeVille, nappy roots were on our show about two months ago. 
And they were talking <laughs> about how their group had been together like 25 years performing. And I joked with Scales and I said, well, if you guys have been that together that long and you haven't made it on TMZ, you're doing all right. So, and then, and yeah. then he gets on TMZ. A short, short while later, he winds up on TMZ. Yeah. The, but, through no fault really of his no, own. No, yeah. not not anything yeah. bad on his part. No. Just an unfortunate situation he's found. He and was just leaving the brewery after brewing all Brian, day. Brian, yeah. I have been on TMZ now. Oh, have you? <laughs> yeah. So the video the video they shared with the uh the Fiskel story, I am seen going to the bar and asking for a refill at the brewery. So I, I still regret really I know stuff. what day that was. That was I was unwell that that day and I could not make it to the brewery. That might have been back when I had the COVID situation. I think it might have been. Yeah. And I yeah. couldn't I couldn't go, so you went and uh yeah, that's uh tough, Brian. I know. I could I have been it. on TMC too. I hate it for you. I hate it for you. <laughs> no. But today scales continue healing up, buddy. We're looking forward to it. We're talking about collab with them. Yeah. We're brew a collab with them soon. So uh but best wishes, scales. Good to see you this weekend. Glad yeah. you're feeling better, man. We'll see you again soon. But Kelly, these guys just started their brewery. No one's taking your advice out. Like 9,000 people across the U.S. have not taken your advice. Uh, I think more than that. It is. Right. Yeah, but, the number keeps growing, right? Yeah. But say it tries to shrink. We're also losing tons every year, but we just gain yeah. more. You know, it's kind of interesting you say that because I, I haven't been able to do the actual post on it. The last several years, I do a uh, coming to Georgia post on breweries. Talk about the openings and that. Pretty good little historical record of what we've had sure, yeah. open each year, but just did not have the time to do it this year, uh, but have kept an eye on things. And throughout COVID, there really weren't many closures, Kelly. And I'm going to throw something out there at the beginning of this that I think a lot of people were propped up during COVID, and I'm afraid that we're, we're looking at the storm coming now that uh, all that, uh, that PPP money is long gone. So. It's been PPP'd away at this point. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. Right? It was the EIDL that really helped us. Um, yeah. So the EIDL was the loan package that gave you 75% of 2019 revenue. So a business that's been losing money at $2 million in revenue for the past decade just made more money than they ever have during yeah, the EIDL they, loan period. Terrible. Terrible. Well, in a way that that may have really given some people a boost up that they needed to get past some stuff. But yeah, I... The news lately has not been has not been great. I think it's it's no. showing what actually has transpired as a result of the uh, the the pandemic. But I think Tim, it's time for us to get the beers of the week. Brian, as always, you know what? We've got a great list to drink here. I don't even know what we're drinking this week, Brian. I think you guys put the list together, so we did. This is surprise information to me, except for the Epic Brewing. I'm enjoying that right now. Brainless One Peaches 2014. We also have one Yoho Brewing. A Nippon Citrus Ale with Yuzu and Sea Salt, which I believe is a Japanese brewery. I believe so. Well, that's pretty cool. Grand Canyon Brewing, we have Prickly Pear Wheat Ale. And from Trim Tab over in Birmingham, Alabama, their seventh anniversary stout from 2021. Going to be good stuff. And we want to thank our friends at The Nest for sponsoring this segment. Craft Beer Barbecue in Kennesaw, Georgia. If you're in the area, definitely check them out. Brian? I think it's time for the news. I think so. All right. So as I was teasing, craft beer continues to feel the fallout from the pandemic. This week, Mickler abruptly shut down their brewery in San Diego, citing two years of COVID, supply chain issues, rising prices, and an unstable market as the reasons for shutting down. The tap room will remain open until the end of September and going forward, but going forward, all Mickler beers will be contract brewed by Alesmith 
for the U.S. market. Interesting uh, little detail. That brewery was an Alesmith brewery, and they bought it from Alesmith. Oh, so they've been, I did not know that. Apparently, okay. they've been really tight with Alesmith over the years, and Mickler and, and Alesmith have done collabs going back as far as like 2007. So I'm not surprised by any of this. So this returns them to their roots as a contract brewery, at least in the U.S. All brewery assets will be sold, opening up the opportunity for another brewery to just step in and take over the facility. Okay. So, All right. All right. So we've talked about the uh, the modern times thing a few times on the show, and I'm not sure if we gave it gave people any closure because the story kept changing. Well, here it is. Maui Brewing and Modern Times are merging into, quote, Craft Ohana. Uh, appropriately, Ohana is a Hawaiian word for family. In the press release, the CEO states that uh, it's not their goal to have two separate entities owned by a single parent company, but they want to have two brands within the same company. So more of a family situation. It sounds like a little bit of a word salad there. You but cannot see this on the radio, but I was squinting and rolling my eyes there trying to figure that one out. You definitely so, were. Yeah. Uh, so earlier this month, Modern Times announced that they would be laying off 120 workers, but uh, on the bright side, Maui is expected to hire the majority of them back. According to Brewbound, Maui was the 43rd largest craft brewery by volume in the U.S. in 2021, and Modern Times was the 48th largest. Their combined output will place them at 24th on the list if the capacity and the volume stay the same. I'm, I'm thinking there may be a little disruption, but they're going to be higher up on the list as Ohana than they were as their individual breweries. So that's, that's interesting. Ohana means family. It does mean I think family. that's from a Disney movie or something. I'm is not it, sure. Is it Nate a, says yes. It's a Disney movie, yeah. Nate says yes. Ohana means fan. Was that Lilo and Stitch? Yes, Lilo and Stitch. That oh, has been okay. verified. I, wow, that's good. That exceeds my my knowledge on How these things. How about that? Yeah. Crazy stuff. You are listening to the Beer Guys radio show. We do need to take a break, but we will be back very soon to learn how not to start a damn brewery. Have you visited Ironmonger Brewing recently? Take a trip and see the newly renovated and spacious tap room or enjoy the outdoors in their new beer garden with plenty of seating and shade to ease that summer sun. Ironmonger's tap room has a variety of craft beer and hard seltzer on tap with wine and spirits coming soon. Ready for a bit of adventure? Try out axe throwing with Ironmonger's 16 target range. It's a perfect spot for some quick fun or to host your next party or corporate event. So grab your friends and have some fun today at Ironmonger Brewing. the beer guys on facebook twitter and instagram now back to the beer guys radio show shake it back welcome back to the beer guys radio show remember all episodes are available on demand so if you miss the broadcast get the podcast beer guys radio is available on the podcast park and all popular and unpopular podcasting apps now let's get back to how not to start a damn brewery kelly we're gonna dive of course a lot into you leaving your brewery and some thoughts on the industry and some of the troubles it's facing right now. But to to back up a little bit, what got you into brewing and what prompted you to start your brew? Uh, so I think uh, there's a lot of people have a similar story, but I had a successful company that my wife and I had run before. We had a seven-figure exit, you know, fantastic. I'm mid-30s. I've got some cash. And what do I want to do? I want I want to make beer. It's at the time, there's 15, 1,400 breweries in the United States. It sounded like a novel and unique idea. <laughs> and so I, like many people, set about learning how to do it, bought equipment, brewed two-barrel batches in my 
garage for a year and a half and then open a brewery. And it was, I had a blast the first few years. It was great. Now, how long altogether did you own your brewery? Um, it would have been a decade okay. in January. So it was four months shy of a decade. Okay. Gotcha. And I'm not sure the best place to start here because I, I know there's probably a lot of nuance, but what was there a main factor in you deciding I want out of this? Uh, yeah. And if you, so if you distill the book down and kind of what I'm trying to do with the podcast isn't necessarily trying to tell people don't open a brewery. It isn't saying that this is going to be the worst decision you ever made. It might be, but I'm not saying that. Um, but at the end of the day, it was because there was no profit. There kept being, for me, there were three to four truly catastrophic moments where the business faced extinction. We were either long on inventory and distribution. We had to dump batches or we had a you know rough winter and, and we just couldn't make up to get rent for March. Um, and it was at that point when I realized that money profitability wasn't going to be a real part of this industry. Um, and it was cool. I still like the art of it. I still miss the art of it, but I got a family. My daughter's going to college in two years. It's time that I worry about having a little bit of income and it wasn't going to happen there. So that was when it really started getting disenfranchised when I realized there was no pathway to profitability. You know, I, I know with you sharing that Kelly, that I know brewery owners that, and I think we've seen it with like this modern times deal and with Mickler and that, that, you know, it's not just small breweries that struggle. You know, there can be the mm -hmm. illusion of success, I guess, maybe is the term that I use. You know, exactly. We, yeah. I know breweries that have several locations. And I talked to the brewers and they're like, we're month to month here, man. You know, we're just hoping to make it month to month. When on the outside, you think these guys are booming. You know, they've got to be killing it with uh, four locations and and all this expansion, all this distribution. And that's not necessarily the case, right? No. So what really ended up happening, um, so I wrote the book, I started it in 2019, and that year was sort of the last straw. That was when I was facing extinction again. My wife and I sit down in January, you know, bad distribution month already. I'm like, what are we going to do? And I made a list of things we needed to do. And and they were there was so many things on that list I was able to do, and I knew none of them were going to make a huge enough difference. So I was like, you know what makes sense? We're a mixed culture brewery. We'd make only sour beer. Let's merge with a pure culture brewery that's popular, that has money, that's doing well, and we'll be their sour arm. They can make mixed culture stuff with a true mixed culture that's been around for you know almost a decade. And as I reached out and talked to all these guys, nobody was profitable. Gotcha. Okay. Oh wow, wow, Seth. Yeah. So, uh, unfortunate, so common story. That's this is reminds me of something I've listened to a couple of your podcasts. In the intro, you talk about how. Craft beer is a business that rarely acts like a business. Like, is this part of what you're talking about? Is like, there's, is it just not ever profitable? You know, and it's just an illusion to all of us from the outside. Yeah, I mean, to an extent, but the same thing as me, right? Like, so if you had asked me in 2017, I would have told you, not really making money, but I love what I do, and I, it's fun, it's fantastic, it's a great job. I get to express myself artistically, but. I don't know how much longer my wife's going to let me do this. <laughs> so right. I would say. So, yeah, I think and one of the biggest things that if you really look at the Brewer Association's numbers every year, they focus so much on barrelage, which name another industry that doesn't like, name a publicly traded company that tells you what the units are, but never mentions revenue. Talk to me about revenue, right? Next time you want to tell me that your brewery's blowing up, you need 15,000 barrels. 
tell me how much money you put in your personal bank account last month. I want to brag about that. Yeah, because that's something, and this this infographic is a couple years old, few years old probably, but I saw an infographic, Kelly, that said for a brewery that relies mainly on distribution through a distributor, the brewer is only getting something like eight cents on the dollar for every all the beer that they sell, that they're getting about eight cents on the dollar. Yeah, and that doesn't necessarily count when you've got to do like temporary price reductions or buy back a seasonal that you know, didn't didn't move um, or pay someone to go sample it at the grocery store. You know, anytime someone's sitting there sampling, they're losing money, they're bleeding. And so if it's a small brewery doing it, that's why a lot of times it's the owner or the owner's kid because there's no money there. And it's it's meant to not necessarily hit a top line that you want. It's meant to save you from losing that placement which is a scary place to be, right? This yeah. reminds me a little bit of the dot-com boom where the idea was is we're not really profitable right now, but we're going to make it up in volume. Like, wait, more volume losing money? How is that going to work? Wasn't that kind of, are we are we really, <laughs> craft beer they, is the dot-com boom. It just, it's taken us 10 years to realize it. Everything they sell is the loss leader, right? Yeah. Like every product, <laughs> so. Well, that's what you get sure. when you talk about volume. We can move tons of volume, but we're not making a cent on any of it. That's a problem. Well, like in the early days of when like I, I kind of talk about like the the Wild West as the 2011, 2012 timeline when all of us truly uneducated, unskilled and inexperienced operators came into the field. That was the story. That was you look at um, even Carbach, um, you know, Ballast Point. What's the one in Florida? Uh, Funky Buddha. Yeah. You know, these guys, they did numbers. They did volume, but they never made a profit, really. And the idea was that at some point, someone's going to buy your distribution, your brand equity, and they're going to scale that. And right about the time that Anheuser-Busch and Miller decided, or Penn and Blake, whatever their division is, decided they weren't going to do that anymore, every brewery owner had to look in the mirror and go, oh, oh, oh what are we going to do? Like, yeah. And so it was, like, it was a tough scenario, right? Right. Indeed. Yeah. When you realize that, and that, again, ties back into that whole dot-com era boom. Everybody wanted to sell out to Microsoft or Google or somebody. And if Google and Microsoft said, hey, we're not buying any more companies, we don't, we're, not, we're not down for this anymore, there would have been a lot of play, people out there saying, I don't know what I'm doing. Anymore. It would like change the landscape of the industry there. Absolutely. That's, absolutely. You know, we have. talked to a brewery, a brewery friend that recently opened, and uh, right out of the gate, he said, I want to grow this to where it becomes attractive for acquisition. He's like, that's my plan, you know, as I'm trying to get to that mm-hmm. point. Uh, and you know, when craft, you guys mentioned two big ones recently, just now that, or you mentioned Stone, but you mentioned uh, um, Modern Times. Modern Times sold for fifteen million dollars. Yeah, you telling me the forty eighth largest brewery in the United States is only worth fifteen million dollars with multiple locations? Like, that's not saying much. And Stone, Stone got one hundred and sixty seven million. Which, while any of us would love to take that. If you told me six years ago they were going to sell for 167 million, I wouldn't have believed it. Well, what was the recent selling price on Ballast Point? Uh, that was a billion. billion. Uh, was no, it, no, no, no. When they sold, uh, what's it, Crooks and Convicts? Or oh, something I don't like that. So, it was considerably like, less. <laughs> like they sell for a billion, and then three years later for like was that two twenty? Yeah, or something like that. Like lost three quarters of a billion dollars in value in like three or four years. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Irrational exuberance, man. And I'm bringing all I these terms back. I guarantee that Mr. Ballast Point was like, whew, I'm <laughs> sure I'm glad I sold that when I did. That's right. That was a really good move on my part. Exactly. So you know what? And I, I don't blame him a bit. A billion dollars is a billion dollars. 
Sure. Like if, if somebody wants to give us a billion dollars for this show, we're not for sale, but we can talk. Billions talk, man. (laughs) We can talk. I'll get tattoos for a billion. (laughs) What do you, Anheuser, Budweiser? I will give Tim tattoos for a billion. Yeah. Yeah. We'll make it happen. Talk to us. (laughs) Talk to us. That's right. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. We're going to d- dive more into this. The ins and outs of the beer industry, we spent a lot of time talking about, but it's good to look at both sides of this and see what's going on. You're listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We are going to take a break, but we will be right back. The heat is on, and if you're looking for a beer to cool you down without slowing you down, Athletic Brewing has you covered with Athletic Light. It's certified organic with only 25 calories and 5 grams of carbs. And since it's not alcoholic, you stay sharp and avoid the hangover. And you can feel good about the beer you drink and the company that brews it. Athletic Brewing is a certified B Corporation committed to social and environmental excellence. Use code BGR25 at athleticbrewing.com for 25% off your order. Athletic Light, the perfect summer crusher. It's great to see our community coming back to life. The cold weather is fading away, and it's time to enjoy the greatest patio in Kennesaw. Join us at The Nest and spend some time with family, have a beer with a neighbor, or simply celebrate the end of another day. Make a reservation at thenestkennesaw.com for Sunday brunch and enjoy an overloaded Bloody Mary. At The Nest, you'll find smiling faces, great barbecue, and 48 taps of local craft beverages. Don't forget, our outdoor space is perfect for your four-legged best friend. We look forward to seeing you soon at The Nest. Follow the Beer Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Next Friday is Hawaiian Shirt Day. So, you know, if you want to, go ahead and uh, wear a Hawaiian shirt and jeans. Now, back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. Welcome back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. I want to give a quick shout-out shout out to one of our great radio affiliates, WVMT, 620 AM and 96.3 FM in Burlington, Vermont. Catch Beer Guys Radio on WVMT every Saturday at 10 AM. Now let's get back to how not to start a damn brewery. So, Kelly, when we were setting up for the show, we had uh, traded some emails, and you mentioned that craft beer is in big trouble. Can you tell us a little bit about the kind of the foundations of what you mean there? So, at the end of the day, what I mean is that we've got, you, people will argue that we are absolutely at a saturation point. And so, I had this conversation with a bunch of people. Um, somewhere around, in my opinion, five or 6,000 breweries is when the overall simple model just died. So we can still have the neighborhood tap room, that like local brewery that has a couple of kegs somewhere. But most breweries that I have been to are overbuilt for that model. And so if you are built as a regional distribution uh, brewery, statewide distribution brewery, or even Tri-City, you know, three MSAs, um, there's not going to be money there. And so yeah. everybody's competing for this ever shrinking pie. And no one seems to be willing to accept that 10,000, 11,000 breweries on the same progression is, is trouble. So the idea is the, the going big, going really big national distribution, that whole plan gone with over 5,000. Explosive growth really kind of gone at that level. But you could, still, you could still operate successfully potentially if you're smart on a local basis, right? At 10,000? Yeah, you're going to be really smart. And I think, in my opinion, the tasting room is going to have to be a big part of what you do and with an eye to profitability. And so a lot of people will run a successful tasting room, 
but they're just sort of burning cash to make it cool and exciting and fun. You know, offer discounts to make sure that the triple IPA moves at twelve dollars a four pack instead of sixteen, like it's supposed to, or eighteen. Um, you've got to be smart, but that can work. Yes. You know, something we've seen a lot, and again, a brewery friend mentioned this to me last week. His brewery is a little over 10, 11 years old. That um, when he started it, he started a brewery. But he's like, when he started it, he started in the brewing business, but he feels like now he's in the hospitality business. And, you know, we had a change in Georgia where in 2017, we were allowed to start our direct sales. Didn't start. And I know Texas has some weird laws around that too. Is that right? We just got, and by direct sales, you mean in the tasting room. You can in the tasting room to, to the consumer, right. Yeah. Because we can do that. We were able to do that during either right before COVID, I believe, or maybe during, I think it was right before, but we still can't direct ship within the state or okay. direct deliver. Yeah, That's we can't do that either, right. But it's something where a brewery and a tap room, that was fine at the time. But in the long ago of 2011, as you said, Kelly, you know, that the, the way back time. And people would go, and in Georgia, it was even crazier because we couldn't do any sales, so you went for your tours and tasting. And they lived off the distribution model, but there were a third as many breweries, a quarter as many breweries vying for that shelf space, vying for those tap handles, you know. And uh, as it's changed, people want a meal. They want trivia. They want a game. They want this and that. So you really, they want more than beer. They're going to the brewery tap rooms wanting more than just beer, a seltzer. A lot of our breweries, Kelly, here in Georgia, have gotten into distilling because people mm-hmm. want that full experience now. Yeah, they want pe- they want an opportunity to have a cocktail in addition to beer or to invite, you know, have their friends along. And just anything to get folks into the tap room at this point in time. So you got to do you got to do way more than you ever used to have to do at a brewery. It used to be you made the beer. People would show up. It was That's good it. enough. Yeah. That's all you had to do. Make beer. Yeah. So. How big of a deal, like if, if you, if, if every state across the board had like self-distribution and abilities to ship within state, out of state, whatever, would that, would that change things up Would the, would the model open up to a, a point where people could grow again? Could it be big or would we still have the same problem? So this is a little bit anecdotal because I'm a little bit lazy and I didn't actually go do the math, but um, I think we can all kind of you know run the numbers, right? Your craft beer fans, you know how many craft beer bars are in your market and how many taps in general are in the market. Flash that back to eight years ago. Did is that a five, ten x growth from where it was then? And we all know the answer. To that's no. So the short answer is there would be growth, but what happened is the number of breweries grew faster than the number of retail outlets, and so being able to self distribute while opening up some flexibility and giving some brewers the ability to run a business more efficiently without having a distributor partner in their way, they still have to fight the same tap handles. I mean, it's at the end of the day, there's, there aren't enough places to put your beer in my personal opinion. So you wouldn't be able to ship enough to make up for just the loss or the, of tap handles potentially. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's, we have a very popular beer bar here and I don't know that they want me sharing their story. So I'll just say we have a popular beer bar here that's got, 80, 100 taps, maybe. And they were talking about how these major accounts, this was a big brewer that was talking to them, a rep that they'd worked with for over a decade who used to have six to 12 of these 100 taps. And he was down to like mm-hmm. two. And he's like, man, come on. I need, I, need more, I need more handles from you, man. You know, we've been working together a long time. And the, the bar owner said, there's a lot more beer now and people want it. 
So I don't have the room to put you on six tap handles there. You know, it's uh, I'm spreading when it may have been, you know, 20 breweries or whatever that they wanted here. Even if it was 50, the dominant one may get six. But when you've got, you know, 4,000, just yeah. how many distribute in Georgia? We see it all the time going to the store. It's, it's, it's flooded up here. It's, it is kind of crazy at this point where if, if a new beer came into the market, it was big news and we went looking for it. Sure. We freaked out about it. I go into uh, the beer store, look look at the shelves looking for something. I'm like, oh, I had no idea these guys were in town. And I these didn't are hear big names. About it. And we're big not names. talking yeah. obscure breweries like a brewery when it used to be the entire state of beer geeks would have been throwing a parade for this brewery to come yeah. to the state. Now they're just sliding in without knowing it. Yeah, just I go into a beer store and like, oh, hey, there's a big bottle of Abraxas right there. Yeah. A few years ago. They would have lost from? their mind. I'm yeah. like, all right, well, I guess we'll take a couple since yeah. they're right here. You know, yeah. Kelly, that's something I want to ask you about. And something we've noticed really is the hyper, the excitement level in the industry. Uh, as we mentioned uh, a decade ago, even six or seven years ago, a beer would release, a new brewery would come to town. It was exciting. You know, a new brewery would open it. It was exciting. And I'm still excited for new breweries to open in Georgia. Sure. Yeah. But it happens a lot more. It's not. Yeah. The only news of the week, you know, exactly. Is the hype gone? Is the excitement gone? What, uh, what's exciting in beer now? Um, so like, you know, again, if, if I'm writing the business model for you, I think the best way you can be exciting is to make yourself the, the coolest, closest brewery. So are you direct mailing to the 19 blocks that are within your immediate radius? Do you have some sort of pool that the local school is into or whatever? I don't think that the the idea of the hype brewery could be recreated today in the sense that the consumer by and large is overwhelmed and they're just kind of over it. Not in the sense that they're not still interested in having fun, but if they're, this is the problem we used to have. We would, we would have an anniversary party or I'd release one of my best beers of the year, right? And I'd have to go look at the calendar around Texas and be like, okay, who's got an anniversary party that weekend? Yeah. Who's doing a release? Do I want to do it on Thursday? Thursday night is good, but no one's doing Thursday. And if I do Saturday, I'm up against Real Ale, but Real Ale, it's only, it, they're not really competitive. So there's just, again, the competition continues to come back into that story. And I think if you're not using that as an important part of the discussion, that you're going to be in big trouble. Good point. Yeah, it's seriously. Just, it's just there. Maintaining the, the beer calendar, I've noticed that there, I don't, it's like, I guess people aren't checking or people are announcing their events like the week of. But we'll have some weekends where there'll be three anniversary events stacked yeah. on top of each other and then some other big event. And you look at it, and I get a little tired actually looking at it now, whereas I might have been excited once upon a time. Like, I can't, I can't possibly do all of these. I can't even probably do two of them anymore. A brewery I really like had their 10-year anniversary last weekend, and I didn't know about it until I saw someone mention that they had attended it. And I'm like, how did end? And Kelly, we're beer guys. We're watching right. for this stuff. You know, we're looking for this stuff, and yet it still slid past me. Yeah, I think that uh, I, while I don't think people can grab the hype anymore, I think people need to spend more effort on getting the word out. Be excited, right? Yes. Yeah. You're listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We are going to take a break, but we're going to come back real soon to learn more about how not to start a damn brewer.
Brian and Tim, the beer guys. If you're like us, no lunch or dinner is complete without a pint or two of craft beer. Which is why Truck and Tap in downtown Woodstock, Alpharetta, and Duluth are always on our list. Tim, why do they call it Truck and Tap? Well, the tap part is easy, Brian. They've got 18 of them. As for the truck part, that's where it gets interesting. Truck and Tap features your favorite Atlanta area food trucks, so you're getting a different menu every day. Truck and Tap in downtown Woodstock, Alpharetta, and Duluth. Truckandtap.com. Let them know that the beer guys sent you. the beer guys on facebook twitter and instagram now back to the beer guys radio show welcome back to the beer guys radio show if you enjoy the show please consider supporting us on patreon just go to patreon.com slash beer guys patrons get cool perks like beer guys swag and commercial free episodes now let's get back to how not to start a damn brewery kelly i think a big thing we want to make sure people know we mentioned it i think in passing in the front front part of the show is uh once you left the brewing industry, you did write a book about it, and you started a podcast to talk to others who have had beverage-related similar experiences. Would that be accurate? Exactly, yeah. Uh, okay, So, and you actually had someone on uh, out of the Atlanta area, someone we know well that's been on our show, Jen Price. Jen was uh, in the process of, of launching the Atlanta Beer Boutique, and that was an interesting episode. I learned a lot from your episode, even though we know Jen, but you want to share a little bit of your perspective on that story? Yeah, to be honest, that one was hard for me to hear because this this was a lady, you know, she had written a book as well, and she was clearly passionate about the industry. She clearly knew beer. She was connected. She knows you guys. She knows probably everybody in the scene, right, for the most part, um, had done classes with consumers, and so she had a mailing list. She, This was a person who should have been able to open any beer shop, any bar, anywhere, and just destroy it. Like, her resume was on point, and it was just super sad to hear the whole story that she obviously roadblocks throughout the way. COVID didn't help, but she stayed positive throughout and tried everything she could possibly do and still failed. And that that was just, for me, it was, yeah. I was glad to share her story because I think there's a lot to learn there, but I also really felt for her in the process. And with the timing and everything, Jen didn't even get open no, before it happened. Did. It was, you know, a really bad situation because as you mentioned, Kelly, she had done tastings and events. She'd written a book. This wasn't someone who jumped on the craft beer hype and said, let's open a tap room. Let's open a brewery. She did the homework. You know, this was a well thought out plan. And uh, she even pivoted when they told her at yeah. a certain point that she couldn't do bottles and draft at the same time. She said, well, I can make this. I can still make this work as draft and got just lamp just hit with COVID. And that stopped it. Basically stopped everything from what I Something. from what I understand. And, so and it's you tough. know what? She she did post like updates on social media, like shared for those that followed her. She talked about the situation as she was going through it. And I know. The last update that I saw her give was like, I'm, I'm not giving up, but I got to step back, basically. You know, that this mm-hmm. is, this was a heavy hit. I, I yeah. have to, I have to step back and look, but we haven't talked to Jen in a minute. I'm it's, curious. It's you know, been a minute. I'm, now, yeah. But, I'm wondering what she's, what she's doing at this but, time. But so both the book and the podcast are how not to start a damn brewery. So if people are looking for either one, they can find it by uh, good old Google and Amazon. I'm assuming on the book, correct? Yep. Absolutely. And what, um, Essentially, is it just a a postmortem with folks? Uh, you know the the autopsy of what happened on your podcast. What all can people expect to hear? So it's a mix of both. Um, I've actually been kind of <clears throat> normally. I don't mind being sort of the the guy everybody hates and the the one who's willing to say the things no one wants to hear. But at the same time, after twenty five or so episodes, 
uh, people had, a couple of people had told me like, you know, you could be more positive. And I was like, well, the content is we're being honest. Honesty isn't always positive, but that being said, I did in the third season sort of change a little bit to, to really find like what works, what doesn't. So like the episode that comes out next is actually going to be with Jason Sleeman, who's a lender who looks at the different business plans. And it, the idea is what have you seen with a guy who's a complete moron and has no business opening a brewery? And what have you seen that actually works and how can you teach what this guy knew to what that guy didn't know? Okay. So I am trying to change it a little bit. We know Jason Sleeman. Yeah. Jason's a log and he's, Jason's referred, uh, we've done a few shows from people that Jason's worked with, but sure. Jason's another one that he's dedicated to the industry. He's out, he's hustling there to, to make those deals help. He's, he's doing the opposite of what you're telling people to do. He's, yeah. uh, he's out there, Kelly, he's trying his best to get everyone to start, build and expand their brewery. So to clarify, he and I are doing something similar now. Um, okay. When I first started, <laughs> I'm not going to lie and tell you that I wasn't angry. I wasn't sad. I wasn't guilty and like feel like a failure. A lot of what's in that book is me just venting. Um, and there's, there's some anger okay. there, some very bad, bad words. All um, right. But that's evolved now. So that was, I wrote the book three years ago and the podcast. And what I'm trying to do now is to say, I kind of know you're going to do it anyway. So how can I teach you to do it right? And how can I let you talk? So think of it this way. When you walk into a brewery, you talk to the owner. They're like, they're super cool. You guys have a radio show. They're like, oh, what, you know, let me tell you everything's going on, what we're releasing, how we're doing well. They never tell you maybe they couldn't make payroll last month and they had to call grandma and get 20 grand. That's my job. That was a piece of the industry that I felt needed to be told to future entrepreneurs that wasn't being told. And I felt like I was probably the best guy to do it. And it mind being hated in the process. And so that's my new goal is to share that story as if you were able to call up brewery owner X and ask him like, what's the worst thing that ever happened? And he'll tell you, which you usually wouldn't, but he'll tell me. That's, you know, Kelly, you, you say that all of those things are mentioned, but as jokes, you know, from, <laughs> from one brewer to the other, he's like, well, I hope I can keep the lights on this month. Are you tearing up? It's like, no, yeah. no, no, I'm no, just I'm laughing good. very I'm hard. Fine. Yeah. The lights are going to be on, you know? So, so is it, how, how difficult is it? It sounds like it's, you may have, you're like the 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 brewing the brewery whisperer or something like that. Is it difficult to get people to come on and talk about their failing businesses or you know all the failures they've done in their life? Because it seems like that would be very difficult to coax out of. Yeah, I get told no a lot, um, but I don't take it personally because of the fact that I went through it and I know the pain that it. I mean, it's hard to say you failed at anything and to say you had a brand and fans that liked it. Um, you know, your family's money was on the line. You invested eight years in it and. It was a failure. Just to call it that is hard. Um, so I don't, I don't fault them for it. Um, same time, I also don't give up. Like I'll still send those people texts and be like, "You didn't change your mind, did you? You still want to tell that story? I think it's fascinating." Yeah. But at the same time, like there's, fortunately for me, unfortunately for the industry, there it seems to be a unlimited stream of people for me to reach out to these days. So um, if they don't want to do it, I can find someone else that does. You know. So. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, there was. This has been a few years ago now, but there was a brewery that, that closed. And as I mentioned, I used to keep a list of brewery openings, brewery closures, and all that for the state. So I did have to reach out and verify when I heard a rumor. Hey, I heard so-and-so is going to close, or this is their last day. So I emailed this brewery owner and said, hey, so-and-so, I heard through the grapevine that you're closing, you know, end of the week, or you, or you have closed or whatever. I was like, is, is that true? You know, can you verify that? He replied back. He's like, yep, yeah, we're closing. He's like, no one ever came down here. He's like, maybe if the beer guys had came down here one time and, you know, shared their story a little bit, we would have had some visits. So I replied to him. I was like, 
we did come down. You walked us through the brewery. You told us how you built the tanks. And then we opened a so-and-so together. He's like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Sorry. <laughs> so I was like, we did come down there. You know, and I had a. It can't be us. We can't prop sure. all of you up. We'll try really yeah. hard, but uh, we can't We're gonna do, do it. We're going to do what all. we can. And it's, and you know, Kelly, even talking about the exposure and, and us being the beer guys, when we started this, I did a newsletter on the local brewery events, and I could literally include every single beer event in the entire state on my weekly newsletter. There's just no way now. You know, I couldn't do that. There was a growler shop owner that closed because we know growlers had their two year window, and that's. <laughs> If that, yeah. <laughs> but the, the owner went on a rant on social media. You know, maybe a few people had come down here. You know, everybody wanted to come in here and, and talk about this and that. He's like, but no one was giving any business. People, the, my point being, people are sensitive. They're in a vulnerable spot when their business is failing. And so it's something that, that they may not ever be comfortable, you know, talking about. But, but I can tell you that reaching out to someone and asking if it's true their brewery is closing that day there. They don't appreciate those. It does not work out well. They, they snap so. at you. Did you have, so what, what has been one of the more memorable like stories that you've encountered? Like anything like super sitcom worthy from uh, the sitcom podcast? Worthy. Yeah. I'm looking for jokes here. Well, no, I He's mean, looking- <laughs> there are some failures that are like, oh my goodness, there's a lot going on here. And there's a lot of things that were out of everybody's control. You know what I mean? Like, I had the same reaction as you, Kelly, when he throwing out sitcom there. Yeah. So. Uh, Maybe a badly chosen <laughs> word, but something worthy of a TV episode or a short form movie. Perhaps? Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, and there's been obviously quite a bit of drama. Uh, one of the things I thought was fun was that I played the distributor that one of the breweries hated, uh, the distributor kind of talking trash about him. Uh, and afterwards, I felt a little guilty about it. But then Chris just unloaded on the guy and he hated him back. And so between the two, I mean, that was obviously a, a fun episode for me because I know the distributor. He was also mine. So. Okay. <laughs> there was that that does way. sound like a sitcom, though. I feel there, vindicated okay, now. Enough, I Brian. feel vindicated because fair that enough. seems like, yeah, like run to the bathroom and then run to the other table type of situation. That's what that feels like. Gotcha. Yeah. So, Kelly, it sounds like if people want the full experience, they should read the book first, listen to the very first episode of your podcast, and then jump up and listen to the most recent. And that'll give Absolutely. them the full spectrum of emotions there, right? Yep. The new ones are a little different than the old ones, but Good they all stuff. have fantastic information in my opinion. So Awesome. Kelly Meyer, How Not to Start a Damn Brewery, the podcast, the book. Kelly, what's the best way for people to find this? Just Google it. Uh, yeah, you can go Facebook, How Not to Start a Damn Brewery. Perfect. Uh, damn Brewery on Instagram. Awesome. Good stuff. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Well, that about wraps it up, Brian, for this episode of the Beer Guys radio show. Join us next week. It's another homebrewing episode, Brian. Oh, we're going to talk about why, where, how to start homebrewing and resources to help you along the way. For more craft beer info, follow us online. We are Beer Guys Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great week. And don't forget to drink local. Cheers. Cheers.